0: all right everybody thank you for joining a very very special pro report top five podcast uh we don't always get uh the the guests that to talk about their own music and we have here one of the all-time greatest musicians uh that we know and uh we're going to talk about mr steve hackett and his top five solo material uh songs from his solo albums and so really happy to have him steve welcome for thank you for being here
1: nice to talk to you nice to talk to you both thank you
0: and and of course i'd like to introduce jeff bailey who you guys know from all our various podcasts and reviews and so on. Jeff.
2: Hello everyone.
0: All right. So um, this is really exciting. So about a, I guess it's been a week uh, while we're recording. It's been a week since you just put out the, uh, the latest live set with the uh, orchestra, which is just an amazing, just awesome uh, audio visual, the whole thing. Um, talk about recording that, that show and, and putting that together and, and just how it came, came out.
1: Yeah, we did um, eight shows up and down the U.K. um, with the Heart of England Orchestra. Um, Originally, I I worked um, in Buffalo with um, the Buffalo Philharmonic. And um, Brad Thatchook, who was the conductor, and his brother Steve, um, they were doing... um, um, some arrangements of, of of both My Things and Genesis things, and I also had some scores that had been done by an Icelandic team who'd worked with John Anderson. Um, and so, originally, I saw John Anderson um, singing some Yes stuff that was being accompanied just with orchestra, and I thought it sounded really good. It was the best I'd heard him uh, for years. I thought I thought you know the orchestral stuff really seemed to suit him and that kind of backing and um the scores were exquisite um because normally you never know whether these things going to work It's you know, sort of adaptations where suddenly an orchestra is involved but in that case yeah. it worked very well and i agreed to do um some stuff with them um in 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 iceland uh with the band todmobile, todmobile and yeah. um <clears throat> yeah they were extraordinary So uh, basically they'd done arrangements of Genesis things and um, it sounded mighty with an orchestra. We worked with two different orchestras, one in Reykjavik and one in Akurey, I think is the name of the place. Um, And it was extraordinary. So a couple of years down the line, I said, would you mind if I use those scores if I work with an orchestra? They said, go ahead. So with Brad and and Steve Thatchuk's um, input, we had... You know, uh, uh, three different orchestral brains on the on the subject, and what you see is is a result of those eight gigs. We we did uh, the Royal Festival Hall, which I think was the third gig in, in in the UK. So we did the Royal Festival Hall in London last year, and um, what you see, I think, is probably um, the best live album I've ever done. Certainly, the most ambitious. You know, with that amount of uh, musicians on stage, those. Um, suddenly, huge forces. Uh, so I'm 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 very proud of it, and I find myself watching it quite a bit, thinking, "Well, wow, you know, this this is quite something. It doesn't happen every day of the week."
0: Yeah, you know, you're right about sometimes the orchestration not just being forced in. And I've heard live albums mm-hmm. where they do that, and it sounds out of place, like they just wrote yeah. stuff to fit in somewhere. But yes. with this, it sounds so perfect there's the the one part that really when I was listening to it that blew me away right away was in dancing with the moonlight light where in the middle yeah. section where you go into that solo and the string accompaniment yeah. is just so awesome it's just like a, a wow moment for me on that thing
3: it's it's
1: great because i'd always I was thinking about that you know that track it 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 could have been orchestrated in all sorts of ways I remember Peter Gabriel originally when he brought the the song part the 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 early part of the song uh, to the band um, I think that he felt that it didn't have the right sort of ponderous quality to it and uh, I think what he might have been thinking about reflecting on that for many many years was perhaps what he was after was that kind of Ravel orchestrating Mazorsky thing that you get (laughs) right at the end of pictures at an exhibition and um, almost like the sort of march past yeah. Uh, that 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 feeling. So um, uh, yeah. Uh, so I've done it with an orchestra once, and I'll probably do it with an orchestra in future and get even more radical with it as it goes. But <laughs> so far as it goes, I don't think it's ever sounded bigger that track.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I've just I've just actually come home from about a, a two-hour drive, and that was what I was playing the whole way down. And Roy and I have have often talked about um doing one of these things about some of our favorite moments in in, uh, in prog rock and I know that one of the things that we both have talked about is the end the end section of the musical box and, and yeah. hearing it with the strings and the brass kind of coming in and it's it's you know as you say the, I think what I really like about it is that there's you know the arrangements aren't just one template you know sometimes they' the strings and will be supporting maybe what the guitar is doing and sometimes they'll be kind of backing it up. And sometimes they will be doing exactly the same. There's just so much going on, and I think for for material that um, that we're familiar with as well, it's it, it's 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 just a great way of you know hearing stuff you know in a different way. It's yeah. really good.
1: Yeah, I think you know that track you mentioned, at uh, musical box. Um, it gives it a real lift at the end. I remember doing that because uh, that was the last thing we were playing. We were doing musical box, I think, as an encore. and The orchestra they, they come in right at the end of it when it's really getting going after the now, now, now. And then it picks up, and it was supremely emotional playing that live in front of audiences, and I could feel them, you know, audiences rising to their feet. You just felt it, that sort of palpable sense of of excitement. You know, you're hearing an old track like an old friend, which always goes down well, but um, with that extra kick right at the end... you can't beat it, really.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, that's true. Uh, and of course, so so you have uh, a UK uh, run of shows this month. Uh, while recording this, it's the beginning of November, so you have a run of shows, and then uh, next year coming back to the states, and you got the cruise to the edge and a bunch of dates. So everybody yep. needs to check out uh, that show. I keep telling everybody that w- when you come here, this is this is the must see show that there is because it's the greatest prog music ever written, done, in just, just the best possible way. It's just magnificent every time.
1: Well, thank you for that. I, I think that I, I owe a lot to the band that I'm currently working with, who I think are exceptional in terms of the way they play it with, you know, the amount of expertise and, and, mm-hmm. and dedication. Uh, so I, I must admit, when we were through Doing the American tour just a few days ago, um, it, it, it was it was extraordinary. Um, loved playing New York, loved doing Chicago, L.A. They were all extraordinary shows. Plus all the other places, you know, the big centres and 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 everywhere throughout Canada. Um, it it was extraordinary. It felt almost like the first time that stuff had been been out there. Um, I don't think we got reactions to that material like that when it was current because when it was current <laughs> we were a little bad band trying to break out of clubs um, yeah. and and so you know it's easy for it to get bypassed but when you look back at it i think it's the best genesis album the most consistent and there isn't really a dull moment on on the entire album yeah
0: and yeah. we're talking about yeah. selling, selling england by the pound which is the, selling um, england the yeah perform, if i didn't yeah.
1: mention it yes yeah, that's right but, yeah. yeah i mean that's listen, the one that i do in the second the second half of the show is devoted to the Genesis stuff. So um, uh, that's an album that, that at the time in '73, John Lennon said that we were one of the bands that he was listening to, um, and uh, but you know we weren't able to tweet that that news because <laughs> that technology didn't right. <laughs> didn't exist. So the the, the big a- advert. Um, you know, <laughs> great ad. <laughs> great. Unfortunately, nobody heard it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. Yeah, I imagine. You co- right? You've covered
2: you've covered a lot of the breadth of the Genesis catalog. Would you ever think of tackling the Lamb in its entirety?
1: Um, there are days I wake up and I think, well, oh, perhaps I ought to tackle the Lamb. Uh, other times I think, well, um, in terms of things being guitar driven, there are less moments uh, yeah. on that. Right. You know, I think of it it's the sort of the trial between busy keyboards and and, and, and busy vocals most of the time, with the rest yep. of us just trying to find a space to fit in <laughs> a few odd notes. Um um I, I think that it's got many saving graces, but it is a very crowded picture, um, yep. trying to arrange something for for the lamb. Um
3: yeah, fair enough. I mean, I
1: wonder what an I wonder what an orchestra would make of that. That would be that <laughs> would be something, and they go. probably, um, you know, <laughs> I think this stuff that they were doing with me was difficult enough for an orchestra because you know some of the some of the runs that they were being asked to do were, were um, and in seven eight, very very fast and and yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, well, I think the reason I, I found the out reason... later that they they were terrified.
2: no the reason it came to mind is because nick divergilio who i know was played a few on a few of your albums he did a he did a version of it uh using Nearly all acoustic and orchestral instruments. So there were sort of, you know, clarinets playing some of the keyboard runs and stuff like right. that. Just quite quite interesting. Uh, I haven't heard album. that,
1: and, and I ought to because I'm in touch with him. So it's from is, a, a few that, years is, is that back, an album? I believe, yeah. Yeah, it's is called that an re- album or
0: was that live It's word? an is, album.
2: It, no, it's a live. It's called Rewiring Genesis. Right. Yeah. yeah it was
0: a few years ago. And it's an
2: album. Yeah. It's an album, yeah. yeah. I'll to get C. that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have to get it. All right, so this is, all right, that's great. So uh, let's go ahead and get started, but we're here, we talked a lot about Genesis, but we want to focus on sure. your solo material, because you're also playing, uh, you're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Spectral Mornings, um, yep. which is uh, just a, another masterpiece record, and I'm, I'm sure that'll pop up here probably somewhere. Um, so uh, what we'll do is, Steve, we'll let you go, uh, uh, hopefully you ha- you picked five songs and, and put them in, yep. in order as best as possible. We know that's always a challenge. Yep. Uh, But we'll let you get started with your number five. So just let us know the song and and something about it, if you have.
1: Uh, Okay, so uh, uh, number five. So we're starting with the last first. Correct. Um, I was was very proud of um, The Virgin and the Gypsy, um, which was on Spectral Mornings. It was track number two. Um, It was a track that um, didn't come together easily. Um, I think because uh, a lot of it, and it's quite a big arrangement, um, but it's all held together by slender threads. It's really a number of 12 strings and and harpsichords playing together, doubling the parts, and there are basically two harmony parts that go on. So um, it didn't really come together until we put the two harpsichords on, because I tried 12 different tracks of 12 string all playing together, but it didn't quite sing out in the way that we uh, wanted it I mean, I've been playing it live and funnily enough it comes together wonderfully with um uh, today's technology but you've got that plus you've got a guitar synth um actually two guitar synths um early stuff Roland 500 stuff for the train spotters hmm. and um uh and, and 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 vocal harmonies um answering harmonies and preemptive harmonies in some case um and then there's two wooden flutes and um, they were two um random tracks john my brother improvised um two different flute tracks but he said what do you think if we play them back together and and they just um they were very fluent very very, very, very fast and it and it sounded almost like um you know two young characters who were uh, um you know, passionately trying to sort of entwine themselves around each other, and uh, and so it, it seemed to bring up the folkiness of the um, of the um, of of the lyric. Um, now, the lyric you might think it's based on the D. H. Lawrence uh, story, but I deliberately didn't want to read the book or see the film until I'd um, written uh, the lyrics, and I, I had for inspiration a thing called. Uh, it was a book called a Victorian book of flowers and I was trying to do a lyric a kind of poetical thing um based on all based on flower names so I was running them together and um the ragged robin is a is a flower and smoke mm-hmm. tree so they were all evocative flower names um yeah, I, th- I think it doesn't get much more pastoral than this, yeah. uh, the music, the mu- music that I, I've been involved with. So it's not rock and roll. Um, it's something like folk music.
0: Well, you I um, mean, you've made a whole career of doing every type of genre uh, with different albums. So you've covered it all. I mean, uh, you know, blues or, you know, classical uh, jazz. And so, yeah, it's not a surprise, even even starting back back way back then.
1: I think that that was it yeah I was I was looking um, for hybrids of things so um much of that album had um little bits of world music you know the use of koto chinese koto and and um nylon guitar so you've got the sort of oriental thing and the spanish thing and um uh, all of that but you know it's all uh, dreamt up by an Englishman so I guess it ends up sounding english in the end but it was it was a kind of a trip around the world, as as Amando Gallo, my my friend, uh, said. He said it's a bit like um, uh, he, he felt like he w- went on a journey listening to that album, from from uh, uh, from the beaches of Brighton to Hong Kong Harbour, and I thought it was a nice way of of looking at it, like a yeah. kind of journeying experience.
2: Yeah. Oh,
3: that's
1: awesome!
2: Where where that song sounds really amazing is in the. Um, 5.1 mix that steven wilson did on the on Ooh. the box set that came out a few years ago
1: i i, I agree with you totally that, that um, steven did a wonderful job on um spectral mornings uh it's my favorite of all the mixes he did for me uh the whole thing just seems to work magically um, yeah. i gave him a minimum of input on it and um just let him get on with it and uh, it came out very, very well. You, you get to hear all the detail that's going yeah. on, and there's yeah. lots more detail on it than even I was aware because we recorded some things. And when you mix in stereo, there's a compromise aspect, but he spread it out, and um, and that track in particular sounds um, really quite wonderful because there aren't as many things going on um, on that as 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 as, as subsequent albums. I did, but there's enough going on, you think, ah, that was what was happening. And uh, it's lovely to hear things spread out like that. That is
3: immersive.
0: nice start thank you uh all right jeff you're uh let's jump to you you're number five
2: okay um i've done a few of these before and i think the last one we did it was the the band had three albums to choose from I know, obviously right? with are... steve this, was, this we've is got, one of the toughest we've ones got, to do. we've got so much and uh, i always try to kind of i suppose choose things that i've connected with or that they, they meant something to me and so the starting point was obvious given Given that I'm from Belfast, given given that I read a lot of C.S. Lewis when I was a child, Uh um, and obviously Lewis is from Belfast originally, yeah, and and so um, first post Genesis solo album, please don't touch. First track, uh, Narnia, of course, and uh, and and a based on some of the stuff from Lanowitch and the wardrobe um i think i'm right and i know, um, in terms of that song obviously immediately connected with that because it was a a world i was familiar with um also a fan of kansas and of course steve walsh sings it amazingly phil a plays he does. plays the drums and yep. um that kind of the obviously the chiming and ringing acoustic guitars this sort of the tack yeah. almost honky-tonk type piano that goes through yeah, it and that, that incredible um vocal performance and and lovely little sort of swelling sustained uh, guitar parts throughout it i just think it's a it's an amazing amazing track love it
1: uh yeah um if, if i commented on it i'd say um i remember years ago um i just met Ian Macdonald when he just left King Crimson uh, mm-hmm. before he formed Foreigner. And um, he was just about to release the McDonald and Giles album, and I was playing him some ideas. And um, he said, oh, you know, you could use that as an in- introduction to a song, if you like. And I thought, ah. Oh. And I, I did just that. So the introduction is because Ian suggested ah. that it could be that. And it always reminded me of a kind of sleigh ride through yeah, yeah. a snow-capped landscape. It it had that. There was something of Christmas about it, the chime quality. So yeah. we had two guitars, two acoustics on either side, the stereo, and a, um, uh, a Fender in in, in in the middle, Fender Strat, plus uh, even tied harmonizer on... On all of that, and 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 wind chimes, which were uh, in the mix, but um, at a subliminal level, because I didn't want them to in, interfere with it. But I just wanted it to sparkle more and more and more. So, um, and it's quite heavily compressed. For those who are interested in the production of it, um, oh, sure. the rest of it was was, of course, you know the the the, um, the fantastic books which um, which Lewis wrote. And in recent years, I've become very familiar with the house that he lived in. Um, mm. uh, the kilns just outside Oxford yeah. in England and I've visited lots of times I know the lady who's the sometime warden there who's an uh, American lady um, and um, it's uh, it's extraordinary to go into that house and you just feel like you're entering the world of not just the past but there are these other worlds that he was conjuring yeah. and that there's, there's a book I have called "Of this and other worlds, which Lewis wrote about basically about writers, about other writers, you know, about himself, but, but about Tolkien, about you know, favorite writers. And, um, and all of that has been a, a revelation to me. So I think I've read practically everything he wrote. um, and, and, and that in itself has been an extraordinary journey. And I know that these books were very, very helpful uh, to my to my wife, Jo, when she was a kid going through a particularly hard time of being bullied uh, at school by both kids and teachers. And um, she saw them as an absolute lifeline. So these, yeah. and I know that it addresses, you know, the issue of, of, of bullying, the, the later Chronicles, yeah, um, yeah indeed. and and so hugely important for for all of us in different ways
0: Great choice. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go uh, back to uh, the Spectral Mornings album for my number five. My picks are sort of all over the place. I got maybe some of the classic ones, some of the new material. We'll see where it goes. And of course, if if we have some similar picks, Steve, don't even don't worry about it. It happens sometimes. Um, That's fine.
1: Well, that that might be synchronicity. That's absolutely. okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
0: but I'm I'm gonna go with the title track, um, Spectral Mornings, which you know. The, the closer of that album um third album from from 1979 as we as we mentioned and uh just a, a an amazing beautiful instrumental uh the, the guitar playing on it is is i mean what you would expect from how you play but it's just um at times very simple but at times just gorgeous and and how the notes complement each other and of course there is the other version with um with vocals so i guess the song Originally had lyrics and and you decided to not uh, use them and then I guess a new uh, a version of that appeared a few years ago on a, on an EP right?
1: That's right, yeah. So it it started out life as as a song and then I played it to the the band I had at the time. And they said, "Well, we think it sounds good on guitar. Why don't you do it on guitar?" So um, I didn't need to have my arm twisted any further. <laughs> so it became it became an instrumental and um, of course it had glorious. Sounding keyboards from nick magnus he had a i think he might have had a thing called a roland string uh, roland string thing i think it was called i could be wrong but uh, but you know when i first met him i said oh you know i, I love the sound of of um of organs you know pipe organs uh, do you have anything like that and and he said yeah it just so happens i've hooked up the octaves on this and it sounds like this and it was the biggest sound in this tiny room and I thought, yeah, this is the guy for the job. Uh, funny enough, last night I saw him um, for dinner and he gave me a copy of his latest album, um, which I've played on. And um, so, you know, we, we're still in contact uh, with, with each other. And um, so, yes, that came out just peachy, that one.
0: brilliant song it's a great um, track. yeah and uh, you yeah, know it, it, it reminds me uh, at that time when Genesis was sort of veering uh, into more commercial or sort of at that period and it, and it continued at that on this this is something that maybe could have wedged itself in there uh, you know towards the uh, and then there were three you know if, they, if you were still around I think this would have found its way in, in that style and uh, it i don't know it sort of has a similar genesis type of vibe for me
1: yeah i think there's a genesis thing that the, the link is probably that we both like the work of um, uh, jimmy webb all all the genesis guys like jimmy webb stuff and i was trying to use some some chords that were um, similar to the ones that, that he did and the idea of having a rising bass line throughout it so we had the we had the Bass guitar, but we had that doubled with synth as well. So um, uh, it made for a very big sound. Yeah, um, and I, I've been playing it recently as part of of the live show. And um, it, if there was any subtext to it, it was the idea of survival after death, the idea of the spirit flying free afterwards. So it's supposed to convey that. And I hope that that you know the organ on it uh, conveys the same thing to other people that I feel, which is just you know the idea of I don't know. There's something of the breeze. There's something organic in it. It's the wind. It's it's that huge sound. It's the yeah. sort of exaltation. There's nothing sort of um, um, religious about it. But but I I think it's it's the idea of of survival. You know, earthly survival to whatever wherever we go next.
0: Right on. Cool. Great. Um, okay, Steve. Back around to you. Number four
1: um well funnily enough we're on the same album we're all on the same page i think with a lot of this here um, i chose the um the opening track everyday cuz again it's got that um that mixture of of guitars and keyboards or you could say keyboards and guitars and um, although i wrote it on on guitar um i think it's very much from from the word go it's it's a keyboard line and we used again that combination of um, and next us sounding like pipe organ, but then we used a, an RMI piano on it as well, um, with an organish tone on that, and then I doubled that with guitar, um, and somehow it's that orchestra of chiming things once again, and three-part <laughs> harmony vocals, which um, have been, you know, part of. I've always wanted to do them. I always wanted to do harmonies, and with that particular lineup of that particular band. Uh, we had Dick Cadbury who had worked with a band called Decameron, and he'd been yeah. trained as a counter tenor singing falsetto stuff. Yeah. And, um, he was the one who choreographed that's the only, only word I can describe, choreographed the harmonies on it. Um, Pete Hicks was the lead singer, uh, but all, but on, on this, you know, we were all singing on it. So three of us became the, the lead singers on it. And, um,
3: yeah, so, you know, for
1: a short while there, yeah, it it just felt like, a you know, so it, it's a kind of, it's a, it's, it's a keyboard thing. It's a, it's a vocal harmony thing, but then it becomes a, 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 a guitar play out as well. And, um, the, uh, lyrically it, it's really, it's, it's a drug song. Um, it, it it's about someone that I, I was very close to my, my first girlfriend, in fact, and, and some of the things that she said to me and the reason why she was, getting heavily involved in heroin and and, and explaining this as, as though it were the most positive thing in the world. So um, it, it's a very personal song. Again, I play it live all the time.
0: The uh, the ending guitar breakdown is just one of my favorite <laughs> moments also. You yeah. know, was that always intended in that song? Because it, it almost sounds like it becomes a separate song. And so how did that part come in to play when you were putting this song together? Um.
1: Well... I I had a melody that seemed to work being played very quietly on, on keyboards. Um and but it also worked big with bass pedals and, and a band thundering away. So um uh, it just works live. It's it's something we played live. I think we may have played this live before before we recorded the album. My my memory's a oh. bit hazy now. Uh but um uh, back in those days, uh, uh, sometimes that was the way we, we worked. So um, I, I had a feeling that it, it would work live, and, and, and indeed it did.
0: your number four
2: well my that made my number four very very easy because in fact if it wasn't for the irish sea between it i would swear that steve's peeking over my shoulder at my <laughs> notes <laughs> because because what i've written down is every day from spectrum mornings. um again the harmony the vocals the clean pick guitar i've written down ask about the lyrics they sound like drug use so because there's needles yeah. and there's coffins you've so you've answered that um yeah. and i and and the other part again i've written down is about that kind of that breakdown where there's the sort of the big mellotron type oh, and the bass pedals coming in you know er- everything yeah. that uh you know uh, makes those progressive rock uh hairs in the back of your neck stand up and the, the ending guitar solo that's what i've written down so uh, everything we've just talked about um you here. <laughs> okay perfect. i think we,
1: I... I'd recorded some tape loops of my own voice and we ended up putting those on the Mellotron, but then we had a combination of those and the classical voices that, that the Mellotron does yeah. as well. So um, y- you get both, not necessarily at the same time, but um, I think that's what you've got anyway. I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> my my memory's a bit hazy. But again, a great mix on that from uh, with the 5.1, if you ever get to hear it, yeah. Um, yeah. that Stephen Wilson so these things seem to work big time when he spreads, you know, these things out. And um, uh, it, I, I think the album still has a fresh sound to it. There's something sparkly about it, and that we thought that should make the opening track.
0: Who's yeah. singing now when you uh, when you do it live? Because. Gary Gary used to pro, do some harmonies on drums, but he's he's no longer with the band, right? So who's singing um, along with you now?
1: Well, live, um, let me remember. On stage, we do that with. It's me, it's um, it's Rod Townsend, yeah. It's Nad um, um, Sylvan. Um, I think Jonas sings on that as well. So we have four. Singers on it yes. and 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 sometimes when we perform live, we have Amanda layman with us, and so then you get a girl's voice as well on some of the shows and um and it makes for a very big bright harmony sound so um again it, it it's just one of those things that works safety yeah. in numbers
3: you yeah. think with harmony <laughs>
1: so and
0: um i uh oh, okay, I'm gonna go with mine, my number four. Um, I'm jumping. I'm jumping decades ahead uh, to sure. uh, 2015 from Wolflight. Uh, I'm gonna pick "Love Song to a Vampire," which okay. um, is just a tremendous, tremendous track. And you know, I gotta tell you, I mean, it's it's just an amazing thing when when it, you know I, I wrote down here that this was your 23rd album, which is, I mean, not who is still making t- like their 23rd album. And it, it's an amazing record from beginning to end. It really is just awesome. Um, and I got to see this tour, uh, l- luckily enough, and you played the, a bunch of the, the songs from this live and you played Vampire Live. Um, just what a cool track. The chorus where you got all those ahs coming in for that part is just so epic. And then, and then you throw in right at the end this, like, this total rock out part, uh, which is just unexpected but really cool. Um, talk about that song a little bit, because that has always been one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, um, let me see. Um, I don't know where to start, um, <laughs> other than to say that um, I think it's the last thing that Chris Squire ever played. Yes. Um, the rising bass line on oh, the chorus yeah. um, was was him, and um, we were great pals. We made the album called Squack It together, Squire and Hack It. Another great album. Um, we did... I'm glad you like that too. And um, wonderful to work with him. He just happened to be in town for a couple of days and he said, have you got anything I can work on? Uh, And I said, "Um, yeah, funny enough, I've got a track where we've struggled with this. We've we've used sample bases and we've got about five of them on it and none of them sound any good. (laughs) You know, you could be the man for the job. (laughs) So I said, have you got... So you got your bass with you? And he said, "No, it's on tour." I said, "Well, I've got a bass guitar. It's a Fender Precision, and it hadn't been out of its case for about twenty years. <laughs> um, so overnight, I got it re. Well, I, what did we do to it? We, 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 you know, we had to. It was rebuilt at short notice. <laughs> New strings, lowered action. And but when he played it, it sounded exactly like him. It sounded exactly like his the sound Sorry of his um, Rickenbacker. Yeah. Uh, so I, once again, I think, you know, when people say the thing about, oh, well, the sound comes from the player, that is definitely a case of, mm,
3: yeah.
1: of that. Because if I'd played that, it wouldn't have sounded like that.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it, it's a case of it, it really is in the fingers. So um, <clears throat> the, the song um, has got that big chorus. Um, number of singers on it male and female voices. Um, what else can I say about it? Yeah. It, it It's also got orchestral stuff, particularly in the second half. So the bit that rocks out has that, but then there's the kind of, you know, Tchaikovsky meets Disney sort of <laughs> thing right at the end with the echoey voices as if it was all, um, a kind of cartoon and the bad character had sort of evaporated off into the ether. Um, as they do um, uh, so it it was a favourite from that album I, I, I worked long and hard on it and um, uh, you know you always want these things to be better but maybe it didn't need to be better than that he said that my
3: friend
0: Your number three.
1: Steve. My personal number three. Yes.
0: Well, funny enough,
1: it's a track called Valley of the Kings, which is on Genesis revisited on, on the, on, on the first Genesis revisited, because I did a couple of volumes of this. Uh, and, um, I think it was a bit of justification after the event. I, I had this track and, um, I felt in a, it that it had a Genesis spirit. Um, and it reminded me slightly of, of fly on a windshield although i I dreamt the melody, so in a way it owed nothing to that um, I had an idea of I had this vision of of being there watching the pyramid being made but but and all that kind of Egyptian construction and uh, I hadn't been to Egypt at that point uh but it was like a sort of sped up thing you know when you used to go fast forward on 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 video back in the old days. It was it was like that. Um, and uh, of course, I got it wrong. Uh, it's not, you know, Valley of the Kings is somewhere else, which, and funny enough, I'm going to visit um, just after Christmas. Uh, but I ended up naming it that because I thought it had that kind of Egyptian thing about it. Um, and um, it, I think it's one of the best guitar instrumentals I've, I've ever done. Um, yeah. In a way, there were two songs that were knocked into one. I and you mentioned this earlier. I, I, I had a whole thing that I was going to do um, with the bit that goes. Da, 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 dum, da, 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 and and um, it was part of a song, but, but the vocal bit didn't really work. So I stuck two separate um, song recordings together, did an edit in the middle of it. And so what you see is what you get, or what you hear is what you get.
0: That Genesis Revisit album, the first one, um, so yeah, that's from back in '96. Uh, uh, that yep. one, you did a few takes that were different than the original version. When you did Revisited two many years later, they were almost yep. true to the original version. So, what yep. you know, what? Talk about the different approach to that. Like, I mean, some of them are really fantastic. Your own special way with with Paul Carrick singing is completely different. Really nice. There's some good stuff on there. But on that one, you went, you tried to make things different. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, I thought if I'm going to re-record Genesis things, um, uh, it needs to be my own take on it. So I was less worried about authenticity, but I was very worried about um, putting my own stamp on it and in some cases those tracks are radically different yeah. like as you mentioned you mentioned that one um, and also for Absent Friends is radically different Different yeah. tempo accompanied by orchestra Colin Blundstone singing it yeah. Yeah. Um, completely different, it, it, it is a completely reworked song um, and um, probably all the better for it but um, but when I did revisit it, number two, um, I wasn't so concerned with uh, making things drastically different. Um, in fact, when I look back on it now, I think, you know, it's it's a number of guest appearances by by a number of different people. There might be forty odd people on on that. Yeah, everybody's album. on that thing. <laughs> everybody's on the album. Yeah, the whole the whole world's on it. So. Um, we went with that and I might've changed some solos. Um, it's been a long time since I listened to that album. So, um, I, I, I don't think I'm an expert on it at this point, but you're quite <laughs> right about the first one. Um, it had some arrangements that were drastically different and not just the use of orchestra, but, um, you stripping it right back and doing vocals in different octaves and, um, yeah. um, yeah, I think yeah, some it's of probably it on I very back, cool yeah. yeah, it probably ninety percent I wouldn't change. The other ten percent I
2: probably would. Hmm. And I, the, the other track the other track that Paul Carrick sings on that is the the song Deja vu, which oh, yes. is the is the one that um was the sort of selling England England by the pound outtake. I think yes. I think you're yes. playing that again now, or?
1: I'm playing it live. Um, it's a little bit closer to the original um, idea that Peter Gabriel brought to it. Um, we've got the key that I think is closer to the, to the one that Pete sang it in originally, as uh, Nad Silver and Peter Gabriel have got similar sort of pitched voices. Um, and... Um, uh, it, it's a difficult song to do live. I have to be honest because um, the rhythm comes in and out. So there are great moments of it where it's just accompanied by voices, or rather, you know, keyboard-triggered voices, um, and it's it's got a great long play out on it, and and it's different every night. Um, so you really have to be on form to to be able to pull it off. But it's been going down very well with with audiences, and and it's a chance to give people not just the entire Selling in by the Pound but also what I think of as the complete Selling in by the Pound with that extra track yeah. that, that Pete wanted us to do, Mr. Gabriel um, and I always thought it was a crying shame that it, it, it didn't get finished by the band and I finished it years later because um, I thought it was such a potential gem, it was a beautiful song, it was full of soul and heart and i thought oh god you know this is one thing that genesis does very very well
2: yeah, yeah. so it happened but
0: many years down the line no good to yeah nice to bring so. it back uh all right jeff yeah. you're number three
2: okay number three um so the first time i heard this particular track um again in the we talked earlier on about the john Lennon quote in the days before uh the internet and twitter and everything um i remember coming across it must have been early 90s a late night kind of steve hackett in concert that was on one of the channels and it was probably the first time that i'd actually seen a live performance and there was an instrumental in the middle of it um that i remembered liking and but i didn't know what it was because it was a tv show And and you couldn't sort of go and look it up on the internet and then we talked about genesis revisited whenever the the live album from that tour the tokyo tapes came out um the track was on it and it was called riding the colossus
1: oh right um
2: and um I, i just it was a track that i that i really enjoyed and then it sort of reappeared again about five years later uh, or maybe even longer, fifteen a years later. A vocal version. A vocal um, version. Yeah, enter Enter the Night um, was on yeah. the the bonus disc of the Beyond the Shrouded Horizon album, and yep. I was like, Oh, that, yep. that's that, that's that track again. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you talked about Spectral Morning starting as a song and becoming an instrumental. Yep. Was that one that started as an instrumental and became a song?
1: I think you're right. Yes, it it, it eventually became a song. Um and um, it went through different incarnations, um, but originally it was all about the guitar, yeah. um, as so much of my stuff is. But over time, I developed more as a singer, and um, so yeah, I had this sort of thing: am I am I a singer? Am I a guitarist? What do I do best? Of course, it's guitar work, but um, I've been moved to sing uh, and, and to stick at it and funny enough it was Peter Gabriel who said I believe singing's possible he said if I can sing anyone can He's mm-hmm. being very self deprecating about it but I think he was absolutely right that, that the art of singing was something that uh, needs to be worked on and I think what he was on about is that everyone's got a voice and it's just simply a question of um having the confidence to find the areas that that voice is best suited so it it i think it does take a lifetime to be able to place a voice at its best and you, you're going to go in and out of that you know because not everything every singer does even a great singer it, it, it's never going to be a classic every time um but sometimes you can end up doing an album where um, it's it's relatively free of criticism from from pundits, <laughs>
3: um,
1: but I think you've got to be prepared if you're a singer to stand. You know, you've got to you've got to sit in the coconut shy and be hit with those balls, <laughs> and you've got to be resent. You've got to have your helmet on if you're going to be a singer. <laughs>
0: How long did it take you to feel comfortable being a lead singer or, you know, did you ever get uh, comfortable being the singer as opposed to being uh, a lead guitarist? Well, um,
1: I think having the occasional hit single as a singer uh, can be awfully, um, helpful. (laughs) And I've been lucky to have that, um, and but, but, but there are times when, you know, if I do a Genesis set live, I want to have someone who's got a Genesis voice. If yeah. I do my stuff, like Virgin and the Gypsy, I now do the lead vocal on that. And it seems to really suit my voice,
3: yeah. you know,
1: yeah. with a team of harmony singers as well, because I do like this sort of thing that... Um, there's a great word, antiphonal, in other words, answering stuff. And you get that with liturgical stuff. You get that with church stuff. Yeah. And you get that with harmony singers. Um, so I like that question and answer thing. I like this sort of shifting patterns. It's a very proggy thing, in a way. Different yeah. scenes, different singers, uh, solo voice, double, octaves, um, electronic voices at times, um, and you can do a lot with one human voice. Um, uh, Jeff Lynn has proved that. Mm-hmm. Um, great believer in in winning doubt. track it and um, and use effects. but at the same time, sometimes you sometimes you don't need to. yeah um sometimes uh, simple is best.
3: true. yeah
0: awesome. Uh, okay, my number three is uh, again going back in time. To the first record the voyage of the acolyte uh, and the first track ace of wands which um, I mean what's to say about this track other than it's a genius amazing and uh, you know sort of a genesis uh, uh, track a little bit there with with Mike and and Phil playing on it with you Um, you know at that time you were still in the band you know, yep. it, it, I mean, it's it's a shred fest on that one. There's so much going on, so much, so much playing, and and you know, the the ending section again is just brilliant. Um, yep. You know, talk about working with them on that on that one, and and well, you probably wouldn't
1: believe that we recorded that at three in the morning, but when I hear it back, I think it <laughs> sounds like it's on speed, uh, which we weren't. <laughs> Um, I, I think I was so anxious that, that that the album should be an album and not just a bunch of outtakes, because uh, it's my first attempt at a solo thing. Um, I had great input from both Phil and Mike on it, um, who were literally learning it on the spot. Um, but luckily, there were moments when the band was required to do something. Then we'd have a uh, breakdown sections, and it would just be a couple of 12 string guitars so we could stop and do an edit and, and all of that. And, um, um, I think the whole album was packed with ideas, but when I attempt an album these days, I have much less ideas, but I think I was so terrified it might fail. There's lots of ideas all compressed into the same thing. And those, and those changes happen very abruptly, um, one after another, um, uh, but I thought that was a calling card, you know, having all these different sections and um, really going at it and trying to pack as many ideas as I could into the the opening track. And it's as my brother's debut on flute as well uh, on that album and and on that track where you hear him doing extraordinary things. I, I think it was, you know, in a way, the the album was as much about the flute as it was about the guitar. I've always thought the guitar is just another instrument in there, and um uh, everyone should should have a chance to shine on on an album otherwise if if you're doing sort of guitar heroic type things um it's a it can be a limitation for an album you know make it a bit of a one horse trick and i I always wanted music to be um extremely yeah. surprising which which that track is.
0: It, it doesn't sound like uh, there's a bland rhythm section with you just soloing. That's, yeah, that's definitely not what that song is. Uh, it's very much a band sounding type of song. Uh, you're right. It's it, very cool. A very good
1: sounding band, I think. As well, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> Phil and Mike, and it's sort of an extended Genesis thing, but with the Hackett brothers uh, and John Aycock, who was engineering, who's um, no longer alive, but um, he was a great pal and, and, really great to have him at the helm studying it
2: in, ter- in terms of a, i mean a song like that steve how, i mean i i know probably um you know as a musician or as a composer there there will be themes that will be melodies that you will have that will survive intact the other side is the world of improvisation and um yeah. you know at, at, at what point do you or maybe maybe there's no single answer to this but at what point do you, you know you have is there a difference between having something written or having something where you're playing and you go oh actually that's that's what it should be how how does the balance of that work when you're writing
1: um well i think um the way people tend to work today uh, technology makes things very flexible so if you try one approach and it doesn't work you can easily go back and do it again Uh, That was more difficult when I was working in other people's studios. But um, I did allow for improvised passages, probably not as many as I would today, but um, because I've got more confidence in the ability to be able to improvise. I mean, this probably goes back to um, several years ago, I did some stuff with Evelyn Glennie live (laughs) and I was asked to write an hour's worth of music us to play live with four players on stage and she absolutely covered the whole stage in percussion effects and um because she's very very busy i i went over to hamburg at one point um to see a show and i wasn't the only writer queuing up to see her and (laughs) several writers all went off to have dinner together because she was too busy to see us she was rehearsing with the orchestra and so i figured out really Um, We were going to have to work on set B, which was the idea of (laughs) written on the back of an envelope. um, And it went the following 10 minutes, guitar solo, 10 minutes, drum solo, (laughs)
3: um,
1: 10 minutes, piano solo, um, you know, uh, several minutes gongs. And it changed my whole and I thought we're going to go on on the London stage Here's me. I'm supposed to be a writer Um, and I'm being a complete fraud here. You know, it's all been (laughs) disciplined up to now, you know. Genesis, got to have a good verse, got to have a good chorus. We went out with none of that certainty and yet it was received very well, completely winging it. Not even a a, a key agreed amongst (laughs) everybody. It was just a few score sheets put in front of people at the beginning and she wanted to rehearse at six in the morning (laughs) and um, I got there at ten and she berated me for being late. Ten in the morning, mind you. I was still waiting for my equipment to arrive. Anyway, the thing is, He's great player wonderful but what it shows you is there are different schools of approach yeah with all this and yeah. so improvisation yes you cannot go out there in fact Royna stolt of flower King said to me they went out and did an American tour once and every single thing was improvised <laughs> I thought wow now that is taking some risk
3: yeah you, know, you might it get did. away
1: with it, it for one gig but it's precisely what the world of jazz does, when I saw on, on it Coleman playing live, um, and it cleared the house very quickly. You know, <laughs> um, all atonal, nothing agreed. Right, well, yeah. Maybe there yeah. were some agreements, but we, we didn't know. Uh, but, yeah, and I do stuff with Jarby, the Hungarian band, and we go out, and 90% of it is improvised. Um, and that's what it's all about. So, mm. You know, for 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 a jazzer, the, the the disciplines are completely different.
2: Well, actually, I had I had Evelyn Glennie in my mind when I right. asked that question because if you recall, you actually did that with her in Belfast as well.
3: Did
1: absolutely. I think that yeah. might have been the so. first gig, or was it Manchester? We did three yeah. gigs, I think. And, yeah. and one of those gigs. That's right. Yeah, and we had the drummers, didn't we? Mm-hmm, as Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right uh, very, very interesting working with, with a different team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, well, Steve, since you're on, uh, we'll jump to your number two.
1: Right. Well, my number two is, uh, behind the smoke, uh, which is a track from not the current album, but the, the one before that, the night siren. So it's the opening track on the night siren. Um, Um, The lyrics were really kicked off by my wife, Jo, and um, she came up with the line, um, uh, Behind the smoke is black. And I think she came up with the next line, There is no turning back. And I said, this is about refugees, isn't it? Fleeing a war-torn land. And she said, yes. So then we started to swap lyrics. And we, we passed the ball backwards and forwards until we got it to the point where we were happy with it. And, um, we gave it a very Middle Eastern flavor. Um, but it's also very rocky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a heavy, sort of a heavy, dark, dark number there. Very,
1: very heavy, dark thing, but also romantic in a way. Um, there's a very good, I think probably the best video I've ever done was made in Serbia based on that tune. And, um, the team who put it together did an extraordinary thing. They made this whole; it looks like a feature film uh, with extras, cast, and, and and harrowing scenes that you see on it. And and in a way, it's just the threat of what's going to happen. But I think it's the best best video I've 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 ever been involved with. In fact, Mike Rutherford complimented me on it. So, um, um, cool. which is which is nice because it it means it had the you know the Genesis seal of approval.
0: That's cool that you guys keep in touch every now and then, or you or you, we, we you, do, you? just yeah. get an email I mean, or something from, from one of them. You
1: no, know, this was face-to-face, and funnily enough, when Mike first did his um, Small Creeps Day album, um, I thought it was terrific, and I phoned him up and said, yeah, a really great album. So, uh, yeah, we do compliment each other. It's a very strange thing someone said recently. It's <laughs> <really strange. laughs> my wife, she said, yeah. The deal is with Genesis that, that they privately compliment you and publicly denounce you.
0: <laughs> it's the
1: competitive, it's the competitive public school thing. That's
0: fine. You know, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, all right, all right, Jeff, uh, your number two.
2: Okay, I'm gonna have a major cheat for my number two, um, but I'm gonna come right up to this year um, Yep. To um, at the edge of light and I'm going to pick, because I think they go very well together, the final three tracks on that, um, Descent, Conflict, and Peace, uh, and um, you know, Descent with its sort of Bolero military rhythm, sound effects, orchestra. Um, things get even more frantic and in, in conflict uh, with kind of lots of rhythms, again, and percussion. And then it cuts to just a piano and a voice. And again, I just think we were talking earlier on about, uh, you were talking earlier on about finding your voice. I think that's a really brilliant um, vocal performance on that track. You know, a kind of a, a Beatles-y um, type uh, edge to it with the piano and the voice. And then just a fantastic ending and guitar solo. I just I just think that whole ending is just well yeah it's one of, one of my favorite Steve Hackett things.
1: Well, well thank you. Um it was my my wife Joe again who suggested that we do that as a triptych and um, put them together as a as a kind of story so that you get different movements from from something so yes we could have named them all and banded them as one track but um uh, the, the very first one Descent was I did a I did a bonus track for japan with ben fenner and we didn't change a single note it was done in a day that track and i thought yeah this doesn't sound like a bonus track this sounds like something going places and so we um we followed that with the subsequent thing uh, uh, yeah. a conflict which was um Use of some similar harmonies, but um almost kind of um uh, kind of uh how can I put it relentlessly minor key stuff yeah, yeah. um and um james Bond like changes in so, other words the Russian music that influenced <laughs> um uh, John Barry in the yeah. first place. Uh, so you've got writing internal movements within those minor chords that change it just slightly. And uh, I've always been a sucker for that. Um, plus there's a bit of 7-8 in it, bit of this, bit of that. There's a bit of Tchaikovsky influence. And yeah. then right at the end, um, the idea of the breakdown and and, 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 and the resolution to it. Um, and again, starts out very stark, but becomes something very big and I uh, I was trying to make something sound anthemic um, let me see we used choir we used the um what's it called the um the east west sample choir where you you get um um you get vowels, you, you get consonants, you get parts um, of words, but you, yeah. you have to program in everything. So whether it's loud or soft, and um and oh. and it's made to, to to sing in in Latin, Latin. <laughs> so um, um, but but it sounds absolutely real, of course. So you do have to write with it. It's not as if it's doesn't do it all for you, and it's quite unstable the technology there. um But it is a fantastic sound if you stick with it. So. Um, it becomes very big. It's full of surprises, and um, so I suppose in that way it's very proggy. But then I think the best of of prog is the fact that it's got the element of surprise on its on its side. It goes loud when you least expect it, and if you get something moving and rousing at that point, then uh, music's done its job. Um, yeah, I think the Beatles yeah. were largely responsible for that. You, you mentioned Beatles earlier. Um, enduring influence of the Beatles, amongst others. Um th- there was also um when we were in Japan, Joe and I, we we were at the um the Inari or Inara shrine, which is a mountain that you climb and it's just um they're all these pillars and they just go on forever, these red pillars and it takes about two hours to climb up and c- climb down. But it's absolutely transformative and um we we just got so taken with all of that, there's there's an aspect of it in the um, in the lyric. But it's basically a peace tune, really. Yeah. Um so yeah, you get all that pissed. warlike stuff and um obviously the rise of the right and and, and the world conditions as we have them at the moment. Uh, it's absolutely terrifying um yeah. at at the moment. So um and I wanted to make a very global album with friends from all over the world build bridges between places and just say well these are my friends some of them happen to be in azerbaijan some are in iceland some of them are uk united states and 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 um and india and um, and all the rest
3: how's your life today come with the flow
0: It's an amazing record also as you keep, uh, I mean, you keep putting out great stuff and uh, at the edge of light is, is another, another great one. Um, I'm going to jump ahead and move forward with my number two. Um, And uh, okay. So this is one of my favorite albums that you've ever done. I think the entire thing is just amazing. Uh, It's uh, out of the tunnels mouth and uh, I'm going to go with the opening track uh, uh, fire on the moon which um is just another massive wall of sound type of song the dynamics of it how how it starts off very quiet and then the the you know you got the exposed explosive part in the chorus um just a, a a brilliant brilliant track uh another one with Chris Squire on bass i believe and uh
1: yeah that's right yeah. Uh, chris is on that yes um and um again it's the loud soft thing Um, we deliberately made the vocal on it uh, to sound like this little shy terrified character Um, I was going through my divorce at the time and um, I was pretty screwed up Um, but you've got that big chorus as the kind of um, cathartic thing Um, and and it's a chorus with no words um, and, and
0: you really you hear Chris's bass; it's uh, very but, uh, sort of very strong and upfront in that that part there. It's very cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, many people have said it, and I'll say it again that Chris was really a lead player playing the bass. Yeah. Um, he he came up with um, uh, melody lines that were often completely contrary to what you expect a bass player to do, which is he's not just rooting the notes. Um, he would do something like that. In fact, when we made the the um, the it album, um, we did a track called "Divided Self," and in the middle was a guitar part. But he he doesn't play bass where you think he's going to. He does this counter melody. It's like a sort of descant vocal part or something, and it bounces along. And that was part of you know his strength and the joy of working with him. is great A great musician who felt. The music that he, he worked on absolutely passionately and I really miss him. I yeah, yearn to see him again. I
3: feel like I've been the finest-
2: It'll be time to dig out the uh, the Swiss choir, the Christmas album, you played in it as well. In, I did play on that.
1: Yeah, that's where we work, first worked together.
0: There's some mm. uh, some of yeah. my favorite songs you've done are on this this Out of the Tunnels North album, I, uh, Nomads, uh, Emerald and Ash, Sleepers. I mean, there's some really great melodies, uh, just the verse and chorus stuff, the, the way that album came together. It's really one of my favorites.
2: Yeah,
1: it, it it worked out very well. There, there was uh, some strong stuff that I, I feel like I, I could go back to and happily play it live again at at some point. You've mentioned a whole bunch of them. N- Nomads doesn't get a mention very often, but that was a kind of
3: yeah.
1: um, a flamenco uh, influenced thing. And again, you know, my wife Joe's experience was seeing the um, the gypsies in the caves uh, performing in, in Spain, and she took me on the journey took me to the same place and I saw the same thing and it was absolutely stunning and I was talking to the guitarist one of them and I said how did you get that effect you know this fast and furious strumming and he showed me and the penny didn't drop first of all it didn't click and and then finally I got that type of playing together I was able to do that move and I was very um, very very glad to do it but I, I doubt I would have found that unless I'd been to the place right.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. so I'm excited. Let's see, so, Steve, what's your number one choice? Um, well,
1: from the current album, I've chosen Under the Eye of the Sun, which in a way is, is a track that um, has really come together live. We, we, we do it live, and um, um, Jonas Reingold plays this extraordinary um, Rickenbacker. It's it's a very very complicated part. He's playing really really fast on it. It really shows his chops on that. And um, and the, the the track has changed subtly. Doing it live, it's very slightly different. But but the version on record, you know, uh, it's got something going for it. Again, it's a three-part harmony vocal. Um, but then we've probably got a couple of octaves going on, so you've got five part really. Um and it's myself and Amanda Lehman doing vocals on it. Um uh the um it's Gulli Briam from the band Mezzaforte playing um, hmm. drums on it. Uh, okay. Icelandic drummer. Um, Swedish bass playing United Nations <laughs> on, on record. <laughs> uh, yeah, all coordinated in, in, in London um and lyrically it was inspired by many things that i'd seen around the world uh, primarily i would say standing in monument valley in in arizona okay. or do i mean navajo nation or do i mean utah because it seems to uh, <laughs> cover all of that uh yeah. just absolutely stunning the things that you've got on your doorstep there in, in america w- wonderful to be there um and um also being influenced by stuff that I saw in Jordan um Petra and um Uluru um Ayers Rock in in Australia we used stills from all these things um on a on a video that was uh coordinated you know down down the line by by Lee Harris um and um it's a celebration of all all the things under the sun, really. These extraordinary structures that have taken millennia to create, and 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 um, Joe really came up with the idea of doing something. And I thought, how am I going to convey these ideas of these very, very powerful but static rocks? And I thought, well, again, if you could get a time lapse view of what had happened over millennia with wind, rain, soil erosion, and all the rest, uh, places that have started out. Deeply embedded in the oceans and ended up in the middle of des- deserts, uh, millions of years later. Um, if you could see the film of that being made, which you won't ever,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, then uh, maybe we could do this fast and furious thing, which shows that. So I, I, I thought, here we go. And and, and it is sort of the sort of song because Chris Squire asked me to join. Yes, at one point, and I thought this is just the sort of song that I would have brought the Kristen said look i think this is probably a a a yes feel to it how do you feel about this uh so in a way it's a little bit of a love letter to to yes and all the guys i work with from that band
0: Yeah. Great. Cool. Great
2: choices. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here. Uh, Jeff, your number you. one. Sure. Sure. My number one, uh, and I think I, I wanted to pick for my number one, uh, a song that included a whole lot of the elements that I, um, that I enjoy and that sort of represent what Steve does. So I picked, um, brand new from to watch the storm. Oh. So, and, um, let's see, it has the sort of the nylon string guitar, in- intro. I mean, we, we probably haven't even talked about you know. There's there's whole albums of that acoustic type material. Um, you know, it's it, you, it's one you sing. Um, and again, there's a there's a whole mixture of stuff that goes on in there. There's a guitar breakdown. There's a sort of an atonal kind of um, quite sort of uncomfortable. Um, and then there's a a bit of a, a sort of jewel if you like with uh i think it's ian mcdonald playing saxophone
1: yeah that's right yes yeah well ian's uh, input was was extraordinary but let me f- mm-hmm. let you finish sorry
2: no i, I said it, it sort of it, it then drops back to the nylon guitar and uh um you know it's i think it's probably probably that was maybe the first album that with roger king and Rob Townsend and Gary O'Toole sort of coming together but I, I just love the breadth of styles that you know it's, it's like a Bohemian Rhapsody of kind of uh, different sort of sections and and uh, all, all, all the things you know lyrical, melodic, atonal, acoustic, electric, vocal it's just all in there and it's, and it's a, a great melody and a great song too Winter's coming
3: Day I see all. all the I like, the my blue, you feel new.
1: Yeah, the, the uh, I think the, um, um, the thing about that is, is that um, it, I, I have worked with with um, Brian May on, on on a couple of different projects, and um, you know I, I complimented him on the fact that you know Queen always had the art of surprise on their side. That, that yeah. it was always shifting sands. Um, solos were never too long. Uh, vocal parts never let you get bored because it always moves on. So there's that idea of of um, being very selectively energetic about them. Um, And I think at at times, if you can get enough writing ideas and production ideas together, and you get a team like that, um, uh, Ian was the one who came up with, um, you know, the harmonies on that section. And um, he came up with very unusual harmonies. I didn't expect it to be that. So you get a, a virtual brass section out of him but the way it's announced yeah. you can't tell that it's facts at first and so again it's the idea of of uh, surprise really
0: yeah that's great very cool uh, okay my last uh, my pick my number one uh, sort of easy for me because it's one that I always go back to uh, from your albums it's more, more or less recent from from the uh, Beyond the Shrouded Horizon uh, and it's uh, Turn This Island Earth which uh, I think is just the most awesome, massive, epic, uh, possibly one of the biggest sort of epic long tracks you've done, I think, uh, solo-wise. And uh, I didn't notice, but I was researching the song, and uh, I saw that Steve Howe gets writing credit on it, and and also that Simon Phillips and, again, Chris Squire on this song. But um, I just love the uh, the beginning. When everything comes in, it's just so perfect cuz the beginning is just your voice kind of uh, modulated with this effect and then when the drums and the uh, the chorus uh, comes in it's just the coolest uh, moment to me it just gets goosebumps every time when i hear that and then then the song goes completely in a million directions i mean you got a whole bunch of different parts and orchestration and and things going on it's it's what 12 minutes or something um, or longer. Um, so I just one of my favorites, my, uh, my favorite, actually.
1: Well, I think um, I was, as, as a kid, um, I used to go and see sci-fi films with my grandmother. And um, This Island Earth was one of yeah. the most amazing films, particularly the closing se- sequence when they land on the planet and the planet is being destroyed by um uh, um uh, some other warlike civilization that's hitting them with meteors and whatever and 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 god I, I i was right there and 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 um as a kid, you know my tongue hanging out that most exotic stuff um and i i wondered if one could convey that in um um in song so it it's it certainly yes it's peopled with a lot of it's got a lot of um a lot of stuff on it, yeah, we, we've got a ton of, 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 of things going on on it, so, uh, I'll have a, uh, another listen to it, and, 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 um, in, enjoy it with, with your ears.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did, did that, did part of that come out of, I mean, I see Steve High and Jonathan Mover, both get a credit on that, was that, was part of that, maybe came out of GTR, did
1: it? Or? Yeah, it it, 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 one of the sections came out of GTR, oh. it was a, 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 GTR reject, uh, but it came out of that, and, um, A very exciting bit yeah
0: oh very cool nice call there jeff uh well great i think uh the the choices here are surprising all over the place i think but we covered uh a lot of your uh career from uh you know first record to to last record so um thanks steve this was a pleasure as always thank you really
1: really been really been great talking to you both and um uh, talk to you again soon I hope all the best
0: absolutely thank we'll you so see much, you on uh, on the road on Cruise to the Edge yeah. and, and good luck with everything and of course the live album Fantastic. so Genesis Resid live at the Royal Festival Hall is out now and of course you can see Steve Hackett on tour uh, just check stevehackett.com or Facebook And uh, alright guys we'll see you again soon thank you
1: all the best Thanks.
3: thank you bye, bye the Shining spelling, a ship of fire. ladder's pouring down the Milky Way. Big Dipper roller coaster, jumping jackets floating. Night and day, rolling on the Ferris wheel, to this island. They got the stepdad and the they got the the calling, red The same you told around your eyes.